0: hey everybody yay what's up guys (laughs) hey
1: how's it going hey
0: fun times uh welcome to another episode of the fort worth freedom review we're a show about local politics that aims to get more people engaged in local issues it's election season and we have an upcoming mayoral and city council election on may 1st with an early with early voting starting soon Last week's episode covered the city council races and the mayor races. No, actually, last week's was the mayor, and then the one before that was the city council races. And this week, we're gonna take a little break from the local stuff, and we're gonna talk about um, some of the Texas legislature issues for a little bit. Uh, we've sent out some questions for to the candidates, and we've gotten some responses for those. We're gonna wait till we get a few more, and then we'll probably talk about that next episode. My name is Anthony Sosa, and today with me we have. Christopher Rose and Amber Odell to join in this conversation. How are you guys doing today?
1: you doing great yay
0: yeah. well, cool well, uh, I guess so before we get into the texas led stuff real quick, just like real real briefly, um mm-hmm. what are y'all impressions of like the the local election so far? I guess uh Ro, do you mind going first um
2: yeah, um. My impressions, I am continuously surprised by how many people still don't have a lot of info out. Um, that's kind of been a big thing that I've noticed. I have I have noticed, you know, specifically certain people like reaching out, doing events um, and and engaging. And then other people just like have nothing out. <laughs> like we still don't even know like the platform that they're running on. Um, which you know, I guess like there's there's always probably gonna be some people like that, but it's a surprising number um that still like don't even have contact information up,
0: yeah, I don't know. But I just feel like in the twenty twenty first it's twenty twenty one now it's so so easy to to <laughs> yeah. put information out there, um, so easy, <laughs> and with the number yeah. of candidates, we have like an act you we know more candidates than we normally do, and still like to your point there's mm-hmm. there's just a lot that aren't i don't know doing that. i agree what do you I don't know what do you think yeah. of your,
1: um, I am really interested to see how um, the election ends up turning out, and I, as I am getting more and more flyers for Brian Bird in the mail, and um, you know, really seeing some of the main talking points that people are focusing on um, at this point in the race, I am I'm really curious to see the results. I uh, wasn't really um, expecting the like defund the police thing to be such a big uh talking point at this point in time. But I noticed that um just because Brian Bird has like so much information out there that um as I've been getting more and more flyers, like the language is just getting like more and more bold. Like at first it was like I support police officers. And then it's like, well, you know, like poli- like I, you know, want to give police officers more funding. And then like now it's like I refuse to bow down to the deep on <laughs> the police movement, yeah. you know, and so it's just kind of um I think telling of how the um I guess like the overall feel of the city has been changed like over the last year, and um I guess, as you know people that are more conservative and republican canizement. For democratic um, ideals and democratic politicians to actually win at the local level, um, it's just kind of I don't know, interesting and fun to watch because um, it's really an, a race unlike any other one that I've paid attention to at least, like since I've been living in Fort Worth.
0: Yeah, I feel the stakes are really high, and it's it's you're right. Like there, it's been interesting because to see who's already pivoting or changing their messaging. Compared to the people who don't have messaging, right? (laughs) And then the other people who just, you know, have their kind of set thing uh, and maybe not necessarily being as responsive to their... I mean, I'm really curious to see how the turnout is because, you know, Mm -hmm. it's always just historically so low. You know, so few people vote in these elections. But now after, you know, the Trump presidency, that engaging people in the political process, um, you know, and then after, you know, last summer, Black Lives Matter, same sort of thing. So uh, I don't know. I'm really, I really hope that we we see a lot of people actually go out and vote. Um, but I don't know. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it. <laughs> it's just the same as it always is. I don't know.
1: I oh, don't know. I certainly hope not. I feel like, um, I feel like because they're because the stakes are so high, it does seem like um, the candidates that are taking their race really seriously um, are putting a lot of money into advertising That's true. Um, more so than what I think I've, I've seen in the past. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is, you know, obviously like the mayor race is the one that everyone is paying the most attention to, like compared to like, you know, like the city council seats. Um, but I think because Betsy price has been the, you know, like, impossible to defeat you know candidate for all this time she's really been um you know like a, uh, I i guess you know with the longest running mayor you know and you know everybody seems to either like really like her or really dislike her mm-hmm. and you know it's like the fact that she's not seeking reelection is huge news i think a lot of people are excited about that and it doesn't matter you know who wins like she's not going to be mayor anymore you know so people yeah. i think are more tuned in because like for previous races you know and denver peoples ran last time there was a lot of excitement about Denver peoples and you know looking at her as a real contender against betsy but um i think in a, at the end of the day a lot of people in the back of their mind were like oh who could possibly defeat betsy you know so mm. Um, I think now that just the fact that she's out of the race, like people are paying more attention and, um, because this is, you know, as Betsy has described, you know, Fort Worth is going through a quote, cultural shift end quote, um, you know, I think there is a lot of excitement for Democrats in the city. So I think that is making the race more, um, you know, it's, it's like venom, not, I don't think it's going to just be like a landslide
0: um no you know
1: all republican you know uh, uh, all republican you know down the ballot or whatever for local races yeah. for all the and including the city council seats like you know i think that you know brian Byrd seems to kind of be the front runner at least based on all the yard signs and all of the stuff i'm getting in the mail um all well, the see, other yeah. signs on the side of the road like he is definitely viewing himself as the front runner for um like democratic candidates um and I I think that he might be. And and one of the um things that we received in the mail um was like him doing an attack on Deborah Peoples. So, you know, that means he's viewing Deborah Peoples as the front runner for the Democratic challengers. Yeah. That's um, interesting. Or the Democratic candidates. I mean, yeah, you I know I, what I mean.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wish I wish there was polling data, you know, like for the city. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but like we're we're going no, off. I of- wish there were.
1: Too- like, you know, this is a, it's an exciting race. Like I wish I could. I wish I could do yeah, the full numbers. because
0: <laughs> because we don't. I mean, just because you spend the most money and put out the most, and just chose to do mailers. I don't mean I, people's has money too. You know, we, she's got backing from the Democratic Party. Like they're spending money too, but they're not putting out as many p- things in people's mail. Um, it, they're just choosing some other strategy, I imagine. And so, like, the, the, just because we're getting all that stuff, that gives the appearance of a frontrunnerness. I'm sure Maddie Parker w- would disagree as well. She she probably views herself having the Bass family backing and, uh, uh, you know, Betsy Price's backing and all that stuff, like, her being yeah. probably the primary one, too. She's But same thing, we haven't received anything in the mail, but I've seen way more of her signs, I feel like.
2: And they're huge, they're huge. too. It's yeah. like, <laughs> there's, like, a border around the words. They were like, let's just take up as much space yeah. as possible.
0: And then there's Amber... Like- we were she talking got like about the this. drop
1: shadow, like on yeah. all of her font, like for her font or whatever, like, <laughs> beveled edges. Like, <laughs> and then there's, and
0: then you have the opposite approach where it's just like quantity over quality. And you see the little bitty Jordan Mims guitar, like mm-hmm. garage sale signs. I love those. Like the everywhere. Jordan Mims signs. Yeah, Thanks. I do too. It's kind of endearing. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. respect that, you know, it's not a great design. It's not the thing special about it, right? But it's the name. Yeah. And it's everywhere. <laughs>
2: you know, and, yeah. And stuff theoretically, all over the district. like yard signs are like, yeah supposed to make people be like oh who's that yeah so all you need is the name exactly you know exactly we're not going to spend you're just you're just being real extra with all these like fancy owls and
1: fonts and
0: so respect respect that strategy um yeah yeah, i'm curious i'm really curious
1: strategy the whole time like i remember when we were um doing all of the council members or all the people that were running for council um in district nine like was like, no pictures of Jordan Mims. like there wasn't really any info about where he came from, what his background is, but he was like the only person that was like bullet point like policy agenda. Mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. there's like I think like six or seven items like these are the exact things that I want to do policy wise. That's all you need to know. And I was like, you know, that really is all I need to know. like yep, yeah, I like it. I like it. I like the way he's doing his campaign.
0: Yeah. So we'll we'll continue learning more about some of these people as they respond to the questionnaire and we'll continue to follow, you know, what what happens over the next what is it 6 weeks? What is it? Yeah, well, not even. Like yeah, just a little over 4 weeks until the election. Early voting yeah. starts here in just a couple of weeks. Um
2: registration ends on the first
0: Mm -hmm. or on the 31st well so if you're not registered yet april first yeah april fool's day is the last day you can be you can register to be able to vote by election day and that's really cutting it close and as of day of recording you've only got like three days left and so hopefully by the time you hear this hopefully you're already registered if you're not already and again you cannot do that online you have to do it through snail mail um and and That's a whole process. We've talked about it in a previous episode. I wish I knew which episode with Mm the number off the top of my head. Maybe 15, 14 or 15, something like that. Um, So you can go back and listen to that if you want to know more about the registration process or the voting process. I recommend you do that if you haven't taken care of that yet uh, and you're listening to this. Okay, cool. So let's let's pivot to the Texas legislature. It's kind of been quiet uh, the past, you know, the first part of the session. It's usually quiet. Everyone's kind of settling in. COVID was keeping like a lot of people like actually out of the Capitol building. Um, but now there's some stuff happening. And so there's just like four things I want to me- talk about. One of them, I'm just going to mention, and we can just kind of say like, wh- I want to get y'all's responses to it, but I'm not going to like read from the article or anything. Uh, the headline is just essentially alcohol to go from restaurants is getting closer to becoming permanent, uh, as the house has given approval to that. And now it's going to the Senate. So
1: whoa, get the kids out of the room, alcohol to go. What a wild and crazy concept yeah how does the church feel about it
0: I don't, I don't i don't know it's like is this something that other states already do and it's just not it's like a non-issue
1: yes i'm pretty sure yeah
0: okay yeah we're just living our like own.
2: i I'm, i don't i don't know about all of them but sure. like it's very regular in other places okay especially like you know i work in an alcohol establishment yeah people are always coming in from out of state being like you have what rules <laughs>
0: yeah why
1: can't i buy it on sunday yeah until they hear about the the blue laws yeah (laughs) like we don't call them blue laws but they basically are
0: yeah Mm. okay so that's happening maybe yeah that's yeah Yeah. uh you know good for them good for them and let's see uh, oh you know hopefully it'll pass the senate and we can start to you know become more like the rest of the united states Uh, Okay. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) uh, the next one though, and I'm gonna these are kind of going in order of importance. Uh, I think the the most important one, and we'll talk about last. Um, So these are all Texas Tribune articles, by the way. They all will be linked in the doobly doo below. Uh, the, The title of this one is "Texas's natural gas and power generators would have to prepare for extreme temperatures under this bill that the Senate committee has approved." And so now they're actually trying to, now that we have some time has passed from since the winter you know, storm debacle, uh, they're wanting to do some stuff. And so I'm just going to briefly kind of read from my highlighted sections from this article. Um, a bill that would overall overhaul Texas's energy industry is mandating weatherization for natural gas and power generators uh, and, a, and a few other things. And so they're going to require that all power generators, transmission lines, Natural gas facilities and pipelines make upgrades for extreme weather conditions, also known as weatherization. And they would delegate the rulemaking authority to the Texas Railroad Commission, which, regu- mm. yes, yes, which regulates the oil and gas industries, thus making the Texas Railroad Commissioner like even more powerful. That's more powerful, a, yeah. It's a pretty powerful position as it is. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. but, but also splitting the authority between that and the Texas Public Utility Commission which regulates the electric and telecommunication industries. So like kind of like both parts of the, the whole chain, uh, uh, I, guess, I guess like a uh, logistical chain or whatever of the power industry being from, you know, produced then, pr- then distributed to the consumers. And, but this to me, like the fine, the penalty for not doing this seems not very bad. Uh, uh, a company would face up to a $1 million fine for each offense. And so, like, I don't know if that means you've got 30 pipelines or something and that's one million for each one. Either way, a million dollars is nothing to these companies. Like True. these companies make a million dollars in like a half a day or something. You know, like these, this is probably more than that, probably like every hour or something. Right. Like these these are energy companies. Um, So that to me is like they're probably not going to do it anyways or do it again, because I don't know. That's maybe I'm just being pessimistic, but that that doesn't seem like enough. Um, and one thing that this so one thing they talked about in the article so gritty, you know the the yeah. the app that people were getting energy, you know their their energy through, and it was kind of just it was a variable rate plan where they would try to get the cheapest one, but it was based on the market rate, and if the market right. is all crazy, then then some people were paying like twenty grand and stuff. Apparently, that company filed for bankruptcy <laughs> earlier this month. And is really, the, and is the subject of investigations by both the Texas Attorney General's Office and the Public Utilities Commission. So Dang. more more to come about that. We probably won't cover that here, but keep an eye out for that in the in the in the media's, and maybe maybe we'll bring it up if when we when we come across it later.
1: Right, because that that was the real problem with the storm was gritty, and you know them trying to like make a profit off of people by selling them like. Sh- <laughs> Plans for their electricity, like that's who really should be investigated in all of this by by AG, right? Like,
0: well, no, I mean you can't blame <laughs> you can't blame the company for for following the the laws or lack of laws that exist. No, it's the deregulation that we should blame for that.
1: Right, I know. It's, I just think it's funny it's, because yeah. like now, like I don't, I've been kind of hearing like bits and pieces as like this has continued to unfold on. An NPR, and, like, my perception of it is, has just been that, like, you know, like, Greg Abbott is, like, really on, you know, high on his horse right now, and, you know, like, is making an example out of, you know, like, random people to, like, you know, show that he's, like, for, you know, the consumers, like, not for any of these, um, not for ERCOT or, you know, any of these, like, Big players who are actually responsible, you know. Yeah. Like now he's yeah. really mad, like about it's all the whole diversion thing. right? Yeah. yeah. Just and very he's much just like, like, oh well, a I'll take care of these guys, and
2: it's like that's we want you to take care of these ones, and he's like, don't worry, I'm doing things. Yeah, exactly. we're <laughs> getting stuff done about it. Don't worry. Exactly. It's not what we wanted.
1: Yeah, and and he's just like, I I am I'm for regulation. I'm for regulation. I, i'm I'm did you all know that I'm for regulation look i'm I'm punishing people like yeah, for regulation guys, like e-
0: except for masks every y'all no masks though, we're good, we're good on that, <laughs> yeah, no more of that um yeah, only but, sometimes, yeah,
1: only when the political climate yeah. suits,
0: so. Uh, yeah it's
1: just funny to like when, like when he decides to like go through and like prison like he actually cares and like you know starts making examples of people it's just like funny to me like who he picks you know like him and him and kim paxton you know kim yeah. paxton like is you know he's he's not corrupt he's just regular dude like he's just out you know out to get justice for the state of texas and for the people Except like for the two yeah, pending
0: like, investigations one of them an fbi investigation into his shenanigans yeah Yes, exactly. If you want to hear more about Ken Paxton, we've got him in a previous episode too. I don't remember the number yeah. of that one either, nine or 10 or something. But yeah, we got I think a whole he's in the name of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ken Paxton. Yeah. Look him up.
1: I think he's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sent for Trump.
0: Is it that one? <laughs> no, that's, that's, he's in there too. Ken but I think he's got his other, his own episode before that one, I believe. Um, but anyways, anyway, so another thing that I saw, so, okay. I, we, when we talked about the winter storm, like I remember talking about and assuming that we had some sort of emergency system in place in Texas because we get Amber alerts, right? We get them like every other day now or whatever. Um, yeah.
1: Now we get like three different, four, yeah. four different kinds of alerts now.
0: Apparently, that's not the same, or I don't know. It says SB3 would also create a statewide emergency alert system in the event of widespread blackouts. Mm. It would direct the Texas Department of Transportation to work with media outlets and local governments to notify residents of impending outages. But to me, like, if you've got power outages, like, the media is not going to do anything about it. Like, if you don't have, if you can't turn your TV on or if, like, like your family, Amber, down in Whitney, like, they their towers went down. And so, like, if you don't even have cell service and you don't have power, then, like, how how's that going to work? I don't know. But I, I assume we already had a statewide emergency system. Like this is, yeah. this is saying that we well, we are going to get one. So
1: the Amber alert system was created. Um, I don't know what bill created it, but my, like, I mean, if I had to guess, like forever. that is more through like the missing persons system. So, yeah. you know, like if you, if somebody goes missing, you can report it. And like, I would assume like somebody through like one like a law enforcement outlet um or something associated with a law enforcement outlet you know who handles missing persons um that alert system is probably through them and it, through that entity and mm-hmm. like really doesn't deal with any other type of emergency system. that makes sense i
0: mean i guess i and was we just can thinking have
1: the same sort of the exact same sort of thing yeah. for other types of emergencies sure. um But the reporting system, you know, like who would be sending that out, you know, it would probably be like through a different channel.
0: That makes sense. I was just thinking logistically, like through the whatever bandwidth, through whatever, you know, the Internet or whatever, like how you would send that out to people's cell phones like that, that would already be in place. And obviously it is. But, yeah, you're right. It depends on what entity is sending the signal. That makes makes perfect sense. Um, So this uh, representative, Senator Nathan Johnson from Dallas criticized part of the bill. That would require wind and solar generators to purchase ancillary services or products that ensure grid reliability. So apparently written in there, like people would have to purchase third party services. So it seems some sort of way to like funnel business to certain businesses um, to, I guess, to get these changes made or something. It doesn't really give a lot of details about that. Um, And then there was another bill that was unanimously approved for Fast Track that would change membership requirements for those who serve on the Public Utilities Commission from three people to five people. Uh, and that two of the members would no longer be required to be experts in utility regulation, as is required now. So currently, two of the three people have to be, uh, you know, experts in energy regulation. And uh, just one person's like a regular civilian, I guess, or something. So, So that's what's up with that.
1: Well, that's good. I'm for that. Having, like, some... I mean, I don't know if it... Like, I don't think I could probably go out and, like, get on the commission, you know? Like, you probably... Sure. Like, an average random person probably can't, but I think having maybe some type of um, diversity and representation in there as far as, like, the background from, like, where people are coming from and not just having people who are, like, you know... Strictly from that environment is probably good because we all use electricity. So
0: True. True. Okay, so the next one is the George Floyd Act. And if you <laughs> stay up with the news and pay attention, you maybe have heard them talking about this. There's similar bills being trying to be passed in like every state legislature. Uh, and so there's the Texas George Floyd. It doesn't say which uh who's who's who proposed it. Um, I might see in a previous article, but anyways, the essentially it, it kind of asks for a, a various different things, mainly banning of chokeholds and uh, requiring officers to intervene if they see excessive force, and then ending qualified immunity. And that's like that seems to be the big sticking point. Uh, pol- you know, police officer unions are like freaking out and they're crying wolf about all the terrible things that will happen if they get rid of qualified immunity. Um, Amber, would you mind for all of us explaining what qualified immunity is before we talk about this any further?
1: Yeah. Um, so qualified immunity is a uh, judicial doctrine that basically protects um, public officials from liability, um, even, even in situations where they break the laws. So um, as far as like for police officers um what this basically means is that um police officers can't um typically be charged uh with crimes so you know like if you know if they're in a standoff with somebody and they you know shoot someone um you know like if if i'm in a standoff with somebody and i shoot someone like i can be charged with that um you know with murder but if you're a law enforcement officer like you know you can't shoot someone like you can shoot someone and you know as long as it's like deemed like quote a good shoot or whatever like then um there's nothing to worry about um and it's basically the the doctrine that protects law enforcement um it, the idea is that it, it allows them to do their job without having to worry to worry about um any type of you know like, like criminal charges being placed against them um, because there are instances where they may have to take someone's life um but it also protects them in instances where you know an alternative type of um approach could have been taken that would have saved a person's life um so it's like you know maybe they were in that same standoff with someone and they could have called for a backup, and you know maybe the person wouldn't have had to be shot, like which we've discussed here on the show before um it's often often seen as as a loophole for police officers um, and does in in many ways function as that um, because it does protect them, you know, not only from criminal charges but also you know, in from civil suits. like the individual officer cannot be sued. Um, you know, the agency or sometimes the city has to be sued. Um, and it basically just um, you know, like, there's not a lot of oversight into how, you know the behavior of officers um plays out and if there is no scrutiny of it um you know it kind of gives them free reign and to do what whatever they want yeah. <laughs> um and they get and they can get away with it which is why off you know i mean this is why people say like officers act with impunity because they um there really are no consequences to their actions and if you put qualified immunity you know, in conjunction with the power of police officer associations, um, you know, for even instances like when it is deemed that they might have broken the law, you know, then it kind of, it still doesn't matter because then the POA comes in and is like, you know, like they lawyer up real quick and, you know, it's like basically how these two entities protect law enforcement officers from, Mm -hmm. you know, taking, having to take any type of accountability for their actions like 99% of the time.
0: So getting rid of it is imperative if we want to do see sort of any sort of, you know, more equitable justice system. Like it's the first step, right? There's a million mm-hmm. things that we need to do, but getting rid of qualified immunity. And New York just did this, by the way. New, the city of New York, New York, the city of New York, New York City uh, just did this this past week. They they ended qualified immunity. So now it's begun. Now other places can start doing it, too. Uh, so maybe the state of Texas will do that. I mean, well, you know, this, this bill is causing a lot of ruckus and it's unlikely that it's going to pass because we don't have, the Democrats don't have a majority in either chamber. Um, but it's still starting the conversation in the legislature. That's, that's the that got to do that first. Um, yeah, the, the POA arguments against this is that I'm going to read. So quote, union leaders argued Thursday that removing qualified immunity would prompt police to quit in droves. And put all the blame on inv- individual officers for any wrongdoing, even if officers were following policies enacted at the city level. And so they're they're saying that there's not going to be any more police if we get rid of qualified immunity.
1: I mean, there, Don't tempt us. I, there may be some truth to that, though. I mean, I like. Yeah, I, I mean, I would imagine if the in-qualified immunity, there would be quite a few officers who did decide to quit. Like, I mean, I, were, are they all going to quit? Like, no, they're not. But like, there would be some people that would leave. And, um, and, the, and the thing about qualified immunity is that, you know, it assumes that officers are always following like the department procedures to the T, right? Like, it assumes that law enforcement officers are always acting you know, completely unbiased, and that every officer is a stickler for the rules and does everything by the book. And, you know, if that were the case, and if there were consequences, you know, within the department, and when the officers do break break the law, or do act in a racially biased manner, as they do all the time, um, you know, then may be qualified immunity, will work. but the, but, you know, history has told, has proven to us that, you know, this is not the way that, that office, that all officers behave on the job on a, on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. I mean, so. we just know, and for just using Fort Worth PD as an example, the report what was it, the sunset commission report was showing that our officers do not follow procedure, you know, more, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that that's a problem for the department.
1: I think that was the the Bowman and Del Carmen report. Okay,
0: um, my bad. The
1: Sunset Commission report was like was was about not the yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sunset Commission report was amazing because it basically like you know found what everybody in Texas is like already known to be true. Um, is that like not just it, it's not just individual departments that are having trouble enforcing their policies, that but cole itself is unable to it like reinforce like statewide policies like amongst departments themselves. So it's like by the time you get to like I mean there's just like a lack of accountability for officers' behavior at virtually every single level of this system. Like all the way up to the Cole itself. Mm-hmm. So um so nobody has <laughs> you know so this is why this is a problem, right? Like this mm-hmm. is why officers act with imp- with impunity because you know, not only like are, you know, they uh, unlikely, you know, to be disciplined, like within their own department, but the department's not going to, you know, the upper higher, you know, the hi- the chain of command within the department, like the highest chain of command, you know, like mm-hmm. they're not going to be, uh, you know, if they're not infor- like enforcing rules amongst their officers the way that yeah. they should be, you know, there's not going to be anybody coming, you know, from the state to be like, hey, like you are doing a really important job of running this department, and this department deserves better leadership, and the city deserves better leadership. You know, like Teichel can't even—they can say that, but at the end of the day, they can't enforce any real um, measures to to get the department to do what they're supposed to do. And you don't really see that lack of accountability in other industries, like like take the hospital in, in the industry for instance. Yeah. You know, like the Sunset Commission you know, not just sunset commission, but like joint commission, you know, there's like five or six different commissions that, you know, are up in the hospital at any point in time, you know, making sure that, you know, everybody's following procedures that, you know, like things are being documented the way that they're supposed to, you know, like you can't get away with slacking off in a hospital setting the way that you can, um, when it comes to police department, Mm and law enforcement agencies. Mm -hmm. And it's largely because of rules like this, you know, like, why would they, it's easier to not say anything if yep. you have qualified immunity. Yep. And if it doesn't matter anyways, like what's the point? I rock the boat with your coworkers and make your, <laughs> and make your work setting like toxic and yeah. become the, and become the unpopular person.
0: Yeah. So we will, we'll see what happens with this. If it makes it through the legislature. Um, I don't think it's likely to, but maybe if they get some concessions, take a couple of things out. I don't know, but but that's been proposed and that's being debated currently. Thomas was down there in Austin on Thursday when they were talking about this. Um, and so he's not here with us this weekend. But ne- by the way, we're going to be going to bi biweekly podcast. I guess we'll go ahead and say that right now. Uh, I meant to say that at the beginning. So now we're going to, we've been doing this every week for a while, uh, but we're going to need to go to every other week. So you can expect to see us regularly every other weekend. Um, probably Monday mornings is usually, usually when the thing comes out. Anyways. Thomas will regale us with with his stories of what happened in Austin while he was in there, and his him getting to meet Beto and stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he he went down there to uh to speak on the yes. bill. Um, and he, he wasn't did. just there, and he actually
0: spoke on the bill. He did yeah. speak on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that. And the last the last thing I wanted to talk about was the big push for um voter disenfranchisement, voter restrictions. Yeah. Oh, wait, um, did we call
1: that one right? Like we did a whole episode about how yeah, how we thought that <laughs> this was going to turn into a bunch of voter suppression bullshit, like
0: yeah. Yeah. Speaking of all the episodes, our prediction
1: was unfortunately correct.
0: If you want to know more about the Del Carmen and the Sunset Commission report, the Bowman and Del Carmen report and the Sunset Commission, we did an episode on that, and then yeah, we also did an episode on voter suppression as well, just just a few episodes ago. Um, yeah,
2: and then also the actual reports are on our website justice reform
0: boom nice yeah nice plug yeah. um yeah. so yeah so now now they're scared after Texas, uh after you know Texas became a little more blue than it was it's still there was still disappointing areas in South Texas right the democrats underperformed um for various reasons which we can talk about later but we
1: should do an episode about that That's, yeah that
0: would be interesting um yeah. but anyways it, it it's trending you know, to where we're, we're actually a battleground state. We're, we're pretty much a purple state at this point. Tarrant County went blue for the past two times, you know, 2018 and 2020. So we're, you know, we were the last urban center in the United States with the others. Oh, but there was one more. It was like us and like
1: Tulsa, uh, Tulsa,
0: Tulsa and Tulsa significantly <laughs> think- smaller than Fort Worth.
1: I don't think Tulsa went blue. I I, no, yeah, I don't know if
0: they I don't know about them, but like as far yeah. as a met- mega you know, metropolitan area, we're almost to a million. I'm sure after the census we will actually be over a million. Um, you know, mo- all the urban areas are Democrats or, or blue counties or whatever. Right. And so like now Tarrant County for two, two years in a row, just barely squeaking blue. Um, and so the state, you know, the, the, the politicians down in, in Austin are starting to get worried uh they lost a seat uh, the, the democrats won a senate seat this past election and so they changed the rules to where they didn't necessarily lose their their mega majority and we talk about that too and so now they're now trying to get you know some changes in the voting laws to make it harder next time around for more people to vote so here's some of the thing and it's like it's not all one bill it's like a bunch of different bills that have that have been proposed but I'll just read from the article here for a second. Again, the link will be uh, in the in the show notes. If legislation they have introduced, if the legislation that they have introduced passes, future elections in Texas will look something like this. Voters with disabilities will be required to prove they can't make it to the polls before they can get in mail before they can get mail in ballots. County election officials won't be able to keep polling places open late to give voters like shift workers um more time to cast their ballots partisan poll watchers will be allowed to record voters who receive help filling out their ballots at polling places drive through yeah yeah drive through voting will be outlawed and local election officials may be forbidden from encouraging Texans to fill out applications to vote by mail even if they meet the state's eligibility rules um so that's uh that's getting pretty dystopian, mm. if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, And so God.
2: how can people even like like I understand that, you know, we have differing opinions from a lot of people and that people are saying or like a lot of people say the things that they say in good faith, you know, and they genuinely think that it's the best. But how does anybody write that up in good faith?
0: Yeah, I can read you what one of the quotes from one of the people who who tries to make that argument. <laughs> like, uh, I'll get I'll get there in a second. So it's 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 it, uh, some of this is being targeted specifically at like what Houston did this past election. So Houston mm-hmm. held open their polling places uh, for extended periods of time, uh, to, up to midnight in certain places. But um, they have one hundred twenty one different polling locations uh, in in Harris County. Harris County is ginormous, and oh, oh but mm-hmm. another thing. So I'm gonna I gotta flip pages, but there's this facts factoid uh, that is that is in here, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so this is how bad Trump did, quote unquote, bad uh, Trump did in Texas. All right, he only won by five point six percent. That's down from nine percent, which was in, which is what he won by in 2016. The only other Republican politician who was around that number, just slightly lower, lower than Trump. The only person lower than Trump was Bob Dole in 1996, <laughs> which was like the worst candidate. Like if it, who, those of you around in 96, remember, nobody was excited about Bob Dole. And no, like,
1: my parents didn't even like Bob Dole and like
0: <laughs> the worst candidate. But like they he, love all
1: Republicans, but he
0: was Republican and he still won the state of Texas. But he only won by five percent. Yeah. Trump this past election only won by five point six percent. So that I was just like, whoa, I didn't know that. So I thought that was really I didn't interesting. Do
1: that either. That's actually like, no wonder that they're like, you know, pooping their pants.
0: Yeah. So, so, but anyways, um so this the so I'm gonna read uh continue reading from the article. Who's just saying this here? I'm reading a quote, but I'm trying to figure out who's saying it. Um uh, Okay, rather than dead airtime, I'm just gonna read it. You can find it in the article. One proposal would shorten the window for requesting mail-in ballots. Another would limit eligibility to vote by mail based on a disability to voters who are homebound. One bill would prohibit voters from dropping off absentee ballots in person on election day. And in a state without online voter registration, another bill would eliminate volunteer deputy registrars that counties often use to help Texans register on paper. Which is something that all of us on this show are trying to, we're we're going to become voter deputy registrars I and mean, we want to do an episode to show people how to do that. It's really easy. Um, But they're talking about getting rid of that. So that's dumb. Uh, several Republicans have filed or signed on legislation that would impose limits on early voting hours. That's kind of what I was talking about earlier with a particular nod toward pulling back on Harris County's extended hours. Last November, the county's 122 early voting sites stayed open three hours past their usual 7 p.m. closing time for three days. And the county hosted a day of 24-hour voting at eight locations for shift workers and for doctors and for people who were getting off work at midnight and stuff, which I think is genius and fantastic. Um, Yeah. But they're being targeted now because they did that. They're trying to get rid of that and set specific voting times across the entire state. Um, and so the Senate Houston Republican Paul Betancourt filed legislation that would set uniform schedules across the state, limiting poll hours during the first week of early voting from eight to five. When people are at work. Yeah, eight to five. Yeah. Um, and from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. during the second week. Bettencourt. so to, to your question a second ago, wrote uh, Betancourt defended his bill as a starting point to discuss uniform access across the state as a starting point changing it and making equal times eight, eight to five would be a starting point to creating uniform voting access across the rest of the state. But <laughs> but his proposal would result in cuts to early voting, particularly to urban counties like Harris, Dallas, and Travis. And he, he, he says, quote, I'm trying to strike a mid-range solution, Betancourt said. <laughs> I'm not trying to disadvantage anybody or create an advantage for anybody. I'm trying to come up with a uniform answer.
2: What? How about we create an advantage for everybody? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. Is that too
1: wild of a concept? What I I wonder about these, these people is do they not realize how these changes would disenfranchise their own constituents like they're in their own party I mean like when you limit access to voting you're not I mean especially when you do it in a uniform fashion like're what <laughs> we're talking about like you're the you when you do this blanket thing like it's gonna stop Republicans from being able to register as well like yes. when, and a lot of Republicans from being able to vote so like like the, the whole th- like this whole thing is just ridiculous. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, pissed. if you look at Georgia that you could argue the reason Trump lost Georgia and the reason that those two Senate candidates had to go into a runoff is because, um, well, I guess, no, that that just the first point just about Trump was because um, that they he told everybody to stay home, that it was a fake election and not, you know, that, mm-hmm. to, not to use mail in voting. First of all, is one thing he was saying. But then yeah. also, you know, and then trying to, you know, it's so it, I guess my point is getting very blurry. But you see what I'm saying? Like. He lost that state because of all of this voter suppression and just the rhetoric, right? Not even not even the right. legal stuff, but just like saying this isn't a real election, it's rigged and blah, blah, blah. That makes people just go, well, what's the point of voting anyways? I'm not just going to I'm not going to vote. Uh, and so yeah. and that you know, Democrats and Republicans, you know, I guess I guess you believe Trump or whatever, but like if you don't believe in the system, you're not gonna vote. That's that's why half the country doesn't vote, right? <laughs> because our politicians right. are so obviously corrupt, you know, so many people are disengaged right. because of how how silly the whole thing is. But it, you know, so we we gotta make it work to get people to yeah, believe it, in the system. I mean
1: basically like they're shooting themselves in the foot. Like, yeah. you know, Trump already shot them all in the foot. And like now, they're just continuing that trend and continuing yeah. to shoot themselves.
0: But I mean, as like, far as all right, fine, yeah. do it. Like us here in Texas, yeah. though, we're we're the worst. We have the we have the most restrictive uh, laws voting system in, in the entire yeah. country, and it's
1: restrictive for everyone, including Republicans. So yeah. like, I don't know. I just think it's it's hilarious because like, like, like me, you know, like I will jump through whatever hoops. I will walk over fire it, it, to to vote, you know, like they can change these rules. Like I'm to like request a day off of work to go vote at a certain time or whatever. Like I'm going to do that. And I think a lot of young leftists all feel the same way. It's like, you can keep changing these rules. Like we'll abide by them. Or we're going to complain about it, but you're not going to stop us from voting. Like it doesn't matter how hard you make it to to vote. Like a lot of people are just going to do it anyways, yeah. you know? um especially people that are like really impassioned about politics about social justice about um you know climate change like you know we all recognize that like this is our tool to get the changes that we want and we will organize around that you know I don't know that that is the sentiment among like young republicans and libertarians you know like Like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, eh, like, whatever, like, amongst the Republican Party anyways, because it's already kind of in shambles, and, like, half of it's, like, QAnon conspiracy, you know, and, like, a lot of, like, I I just think that, like, it's interesting that they're doing this, like, because they want to suppress the Democratic vote, but, like, I think that the fallout of it is really going to be that like their own constituents who like are already disenchanted with whatever nonsense they've got going on are going to be like, you know, I don't really care anymore. (laughs) Like, you know, let, let me just go do like, let me go to the grocery store and just like do my own thing. Like, whatever, you know, like, I think that you know, like they're already losing a lot of support within their own party and they're just like making it worse for themselves. Like, and I don't know why they don't see that. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll um, see. Yeah, we'll
0: see how four years of a Biden presidency, what, what what, that does, if it if it invigorates and re-energizes them or, you know, they've, they've obviously got internal issues to deal with as well. It'll be interesting. I'm curious. I've been watching the Hill like every too. day at lunch to see what Sagar has to say about the Republican Party because I'm very interested in like what happens with, with all of that. Over the next four years. Obviously, Democrats have plenty of issues, too. That's a whole other story. Um, But but they're not in power here in Texas. So there's no really point in talking about them, really, uh, except for the people that we're trying to get into office. And I'm not voting for those people or promoting those people because they are Democrats, but because of the policies that they promote. Not about the color of the of the jersey, right? Red and blue, Democrat Republican, they all represent essentially the same group of people in this country. Let's get some other people in there that represents the rest of us, the other ninety nine percent. Anyways, anyway, so another quote that I saw that I thought was interesting that Jared Patterson, uh, representative from Frisco, said regarding these twenty four hour voting locations. He said, "Mama always said nothing good happens after midnight, and that includes polling <laughs> places."
1: <laughs> are they? Was somebody trying to keep them open till like two AM? Like,
0: what do you mean? No, because Houston did twenty four hour voting for a couple. Oh,
1: a okay, okay, okay. I was, I was yeah. at eight,
0: go, eight okay. different locations du- during early voting. They did I didn't 24-hour. know that. Yeah, okay. And so that's sweet.
1: That's,
0: yeah, that's what I was saying. It's genius. It's for people who you know are shift workers or get off super late. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh, that's the wrong side. Yeah. Let me. Flip it this way. Me and my, my real paper. Uh, yeah, there's been no evidence of, of voter fraud. You know, they're still kind of mm-hmm. claiming that there's been a bunch yeah. of that. Um, yeah, we covered that. Yeah.
1: The voter suppression as well.
0: And apparently, like, getting well, rid that
1: that's still the same. Yeah, still
0: <laughs> still no evidence. Um, <laughs> but uh, also drive through voting. Like, they're trying to outlaw drive through voting. They're saying if you count um, the drive through voting... In, in Harris County, and the people who voted after seven p.m., you know, whether it be on midnight or whether it be seven to ten on those other days where they just did the extra three hours, the number yeah. of people who voted using those methods is three hundred thousand people wow. um, in that one county. Um, mm-hmm. And again, just for for perspective, the number of people who voted for the city council elections two years ago ranged from three thousand to like sixty six hundred. Depending on what district you're talking about, so that's three thousand. That's that's not a lot of people, but just in the drive-through and the overnight voting alone in Harris County, three hundred thousand people. That's like a third of our population here in Fort Worth. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So I, mean, I say that to point out that like restricting these things is restricting a lot of people from voting in certain methods. And to your point, Amber, again, it's not all going to be Democrats that you're preventing. Um, no, but that's that's the. I guess this is the assumption is it's just all these boomer Republicans vote on the day of election they've got the routine they're they they, they you know they're always registered or whatever they know who they're going to vote for and they just do their thing and like anybody else who doesn't fit that mold is like as a democrat i guess <laughs> or something <laughs> you know like i don't I, that's what it seems like like that's wh- what
1: that, that's what i was trying to say like i don't know like what planet like all of these you know republican politicians live on like You know, maybe they really have just watched like way too much Fox News and they are just like completely disconnected from, you know, the real world or something like that. But like these laws are going to like hurt their own party. Like, I don't I don't understand.
0: Yeah. So we'll see how that goes they
1: have fun with that yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> keep an eye on those maybe one or two of them will get through hopefully none of them get through hopefully none of this happens but i wouldn't be surprised yeah if they get they like outlawed driving drive by voting or whatever i wouldn't be surprised if they got rid of that yeah i Are,
1: hate that they're trying to get rid of the voter registrar thing yeah i feel like i feel like that is like a direct response to um you know like the work that stacy abrams did mm-hmm. in in georgia. in georgia we've been, re- we've yeah, been researching
0: like, that yeah go ahead
1: oh i i mean i i just feel like that is like like the target there and also because like in you know like um like like latino communities and you know like other communities of color like that is you know like how a lot of people get registered you know because it it it, it is a hassle to you know like drive across town sometimes to register Mm -hmm. um and, you know, if it wasn't for that kind of outreach, like, you know, a lot of people like, would not get registered. Yep. Um,
0: and same thing for you know, just the because of the
1: way that our communities are like divided up, you know, like by highways and, you know, it's not yep. it's it's difficult to access, you know?
0: Yep.
2: Yeah. And I mean, even so, like I, the the people that were registering voters at at like protests, like clearly mm-hmm. like people who went to protests, like went because they cared about being active Mm -hmm. in these Mm -hmm. things but even a bunch of them weren't registered oh yeah a lot like a bunch of people got registered at protests because of deputy registrars
0: yep they were doing their their goal Um, for a while there in the middle was like 600 people a day i don't know if they ever got to 600 but they were getting three four or five hundred a day there for a few days um and so that does that makes a big difference especially when only five thousand people vote in whatever district you're talking about you know that is a big difference right yeah um but yeah, yeah. i can't we, we've been planning f- to do an episode on the georgia strategy and the stacey abams method and methodology and stuff for a while uh we've been researching it uh maybe we'll do that next time or maybe the time it, because of our local election here it just seems like a weird you know we're trying to find figure out a place to talk about it but there's
2: yeah there's not enough time to do it for this election but then it's like
0: yeah But we'll maybe we can do it at
1: the end of the election, like you know, see how. I mean, we should do it. We'll do it either way. But maybe after the election results come out, and everybody's still fired up.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Well, all right, awesome. I guess that's all we've got for you guys this week. I'm gonna read. I didn't read the rest of my my spiel that I do at the beginning of the show, so I want to go ahead and do that and give give uh, you know the shout outs to where they're supposed to be or whatever. So uh to the audience out there uh all the resources that we used for this show will be provided below in the show notes and also we're going to link the spreadsheets that we created for the mayoral candidates and for the city council candidates if you haven't checked out that those episodes are the most recent episodes besides this one go back and listen to those we're going to link the that, that info, the candidate information in this show as well so you can just click on that if you want to check it out um and this podcast is made possible by the justice reform league a fort worth-based nonprofit. You can sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep, dive, deep dives into local issues at our website, justicereformleague.org. And feel free to contact us if you have any episode ideas or additional information on any of the candidates. Like, so there's some candidates on those spreadsheets that don't have anything because there wasn't anything there. If you got info on them, or if that's you yourself, please hit us up and we'll update our sheets and everything. And let us know what you think of the podcast. If you disagree with our opinions, Let's talk about it. That, that's, that's, let's hash it out on social media. That'd be, that'd be great. Hit us up on FW Review on Twitter. And or you can just send us an email. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a mailbag at the episode one day if we get enough email. You can email us at FW Review. I'm sorry, FW Freedom Review at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. You. Bye.